Shalom, Obrach, we're up to Masechus Baba Kama Davla Amid Gimel. Today's Daf discusses two more versions, understandings of Rebisi Bar Chanina's Halacha. Echai Vidal Dvorim and Potter and Golos, what's the case? We discuss a scenario of someone who sticks his head out in front of a rock that was thrown. We discuss someone whose ox gores his employees that came on to get paid. And we discuss what happens when there's a bilateral damage. How much does a tom pay for goring a person? Then we discuss a um, fundamental machlaikas, whether the nizak gets the ox that damaged his ox, or Bezdin evaluates how much the ox is worth, and he gets that value. We have Brysa discussing tom and muad, payment before din, after the din, the balchoiv, what's, what's the mazak allowed to do with his ox? That's going to lead us into a sugya of a mazik shibudoi shel chaveroi. We begin with our papa, who says in the name of Rava. He learns, basically, going on the ratio. That if someone goes into the store of a carpenter without asking, without rishus, and a piece of wood flies out from the carpenter and kills him, the carpenter is potter. And over here, Rav Yisbechanin says that he's going to be chai for dalat and only Potter from Golos. He's not entirely Potter. Now the Tana who learns is going on the Seifa. Kolsha can on the Reisha. The Tana who learns that on the Reisha and the Seifa, he would say, no, the guy was allowed to be in there. He got Rishos. So the carpenter would be high of Golos. The Gemara says, really? The carpenter would be high of Golos when the guy comes in with his Rishos. But the Bryce says that if someone walks into the store of a blacksmith, similar to a, a carpenter, and uh, a piece shoots out and hits him in the head and kills him. He's potter. And over here, it's the Bryce says before that this is even if he has Rishos, he'll still be potter. So why would the carpenter be chayev if he came with Rishos? The Gemara answers, he's going to be chayev when it's his carpenter. Rather, he, yeah, he's he's going to be potter when it's his own carpenter. But by us, when it was a, stomach, a stranger who asked him Rishos, there he'll be chayev once he lets him in. Gemara says, what, just because he's an apprentice, he's, he's able to just kill him with, without any consequences? No, the Gemara says that the case was where he was nudging the apprentice to leave and he didn't. Why, so that still gives him right to kill him? No, he, the, he didn't try to kill him. He thought that he had left. No, so why would he think that the apprentice left and someone else he wouldn't? Mark explains that when it's his apprentice, this, this guy's his boss. So the boss can assume that the apprentice actually left when he told him to. But other people there, he could assume that, you know, they don't have any aim of him. And they wouldn't have left, and therefore, he'll be chayiv if he wasn't more careful with other people. With the apprentice, he'll be potter. However, we move into the third version of understanding Reis Bechanina. Reis Vid learns him, also in the name of Rava, that Reis Bechanina, when he says the Echayv Dal Dvarim and Potter I was talking about by Golos. The Pesach says, Umatza, that they find the victim, opposed to him being found out by himself, and Ben Yaakov learns from here, that the guy's only going to be high of Golos if the axe falls off the handle and kills him. But if someone throws a rock, and then someone else sticks his head in front of the place where he threw the rock, the rock thrower is potter. And over here says he's potter from Golos, but he's still going to be high of the Dalad Dvarim. Now, if you learn that Bishmachanin is going here, and then Kol Shukane is going to be high of Dalad Dvarim in the first two cases. 
But the ones who learned the first two cases over here, they would say he's totally potter. Not even for uh, he wouldn't even have to pay the dollar for him. Definitely not Golos. He just threw a rock. The other guy stuck his head in the way. Next thing, brings a case of workers who come to get their payment and they walk into the their boss's property and the boss's ox or his uh, pipple, his crazy dog, bites them. It doesn't say Kalavra. So, he was a dog he was allowed to have. If this ox or his dog kills his worker, the Balabais is Potter. It's in Rishos Ha Mazik. Although that's only Tanakama's opinion. Others say that the workers are allowed to come collect their wages from the Balabais. The Gemara says, hold on. What do you mean they're allowed to come collect? And there are different cheetahs and Rashi. Those here. But let's say like this. If the Balabais is all around town, then why do, do the Acherim say that you're allowed to go into his property collected? Find him somewhere else where you don't have to be in his Rishos. Now, if the Balabais is only found in his house, then how are they supposed to collect their wages, according to Tanakama, without going into his Rishos? So there should be like some built-in Rishos that they're allowed to be there. So the Balabais should be Chayv. The Gemara answers that the case was where the Balabais is around, but he's not around. So they showed up because they're like, okay, let's see if he's home. They knock on the door and he answers in. He says, yes. What does that response mean? Does answering, calling out yes, does that mean yes, come on in? Or does it mean yes, wait right where you are. I'm coming. I hear you. Don't come in. We have a Bryce that backs up the Mandomer holds that in means wait where you are. Because the Bryce says that if a worker comes in to collect his wages from the Balabais and he gets gored by the Balabais's ox, dog bites him, the Balabais's potter, even if he came in with her shoes. Why, why is the Balabais going to be potter? Must be that the guy knocked, he said yes, and he's still potter. You see that saying yes isn't Rishos to come in. Yes, is saying, wait right there, I'll come out to you. If you decided to come in, you're taking your life into your own hands. In the next Mishnah we learn, if you have two Shurim, two oxen, oxen which are Tams, and they damage each other, so it's bilateral damage, so you pay Chatsi Nezek of whichever one damaged more. You pay the difference in the Chatsi Nezeks. If they're both Muad, you pay the difference in Nezek Shalim. If one is Tam and one is Muad, the Muad to the Tam pays... The rest of the Nezek Shalim, the time of the Muad, pays the rest of Chatsi Nezek, of whatever the damage that was incurred. Same with people, not just oxen, two people, they damage each other. So, Odom is Muad Lailam, so they pay whatever the difference is in their Nezek Shalims. If you have an Odom who's a Muad, meaning an Odom and a Muad damaged each other, again, you'll pay the difference in the Nezek Shalims. If you have a person and a Shartam, that damage each other. So the Odom has to pay the difference in Nezek Shalim and the time has to pay the difference in Chatsi Nezek. Over here, Rabbi Akiva comes in and says, even if a Tam damages an Odom, he has to pay Nezek Shalim. The difference in Nezek Shalim if he got damaged as well. So Rabbi Akiva holds that even if the animal is a Tam, if any animal damages a person, he has to pay Nezek Shalim. Rabbi Akiva Shita. Now the Gemara brings a post, and we learn from here, 
compare an ox growing an ox to an ox growing a person. Just like an ox grows an ox. The tom pays chatz and ezek and the mo pays and ezek The same would apply if the ox damages a person. But Rabbi Akiva learns the Pesach differently. He says, Kemesh but hazeh, the Pesach says. Like this halacha. Meaning this halacha is only going on the end of the Pesach, not the beginning of a shor goring a shor. Don't learn from shor. He holds that a shor who gores an adam, even if he's tom, he's going to pay nezek shalem, unlike a shor goring another shor. I might think that if we're comparing Adam to according to Rabbi Akiva, who's not learning out Shar from Shar, maybe he'd have to pay Minahaliyah, unlike Shar. But no, that's why the puzzle is as Yaseloi, he still pays me Gufai just like a Shar who goes another Shar. He doesn't pay Minahaliyah like a, a person or Shar Muad. The Rabbanon, they take the word Hazer. Say that an ox doesn't have to pay Daladvarim like a person, even though they are connected in the Pasuk. Rabbi Akiva, he learns that an ox doesn't have to pay Daladvarim from the Pasuk of Meishki Tein Mum Ba'amisoi. You only pay Daladvarim when he damages an Ish Ba'amisoi, not a Shor Ba'amisoi. And there are Abonon. For them, it's an extra Pasuk. They use it. They teach me that he doesn't have to pay Ripoy and Sheves, even though those are essentially just financial issues. Ashmalan that Ashari doesn't pay any of the Dalad Varim. Then the next mission we learn that if you have an ox that's worth 100 and the gore is an ox worth 200, and it's a short Tom, so he, has, he, he owes 100 for this 200 male, uh, 200 Sloim uh, cow, this ox. If the novella is worthless, so the depreciation value in this damage was 200, so the Nizza can take the ox. He could take the 100 Della ox in lieu of payment of what he's owed. Gamora says that the Mishnah is going like a Akiva, who says in Abraisa that the Shar is property of the Nizak. The damaging shar is set aside. It's locked up for the nizuk. As opposed to Rabbi Yishmael in the Bible, so he says that, no, no, you take the shar to Bezdin, and Bezdin says, oh, your shar is worth this and this much, and we take the value of the damaging shar and then give that a lot that to the nizuk through Bezdin. But not that it's already automatically part of the uh, nizuk property from the second he gets gored. What's the machlekas? Rabbi Yishmael understands the nizuk is just a balchoyv. He's owed money from the mazik. He has to go collect money. So go to Bezdin and you collect your money. Rabbi Akiva, he says that they're shutfim. He understands that the Mazak and Nizak are shutfim. And they're, so they're arguing in a Pasuk. Pasuk says, And you divide the money. So Rabbi Shmuel says, This is talking to Bezdin. Bezdin, go and divide the money between the Mazak and the Nizak. Rabbi Akiva, says that this is talking to the Nizik and the Mazik. You guys are partners now in this goring ox. Split it. Figure it out yourselves. So it already is property of the Nizik. The nafkamina is going to be if the if the Nizik is a makdish this cow. Does that work? Is it already in his reshuz to be makdish it or not? There's money that he's owed. He has to go to Bezdin. It's not his to be makdish. So now that we have this makhleka set, Rava asks Rav Nachman, what happens if the Mazik Sells this ox after it gores, according to Yishmael. 
Rabbi Shmuel says it's not property of the Nizaget. Can he sell it before they go to Din? According to Rabbi Shmuel, the Nizag is just a Baal Choyv. So yeah, the Mazag owes him money, but he could pay him for something else. He could sell his ox and pay him back elsewhere. Or, do we say, the Torah was sort of mashubed this ox to the Nizag, so the Mazag doesn't have rights to sell it. Nachman answers, the Mazag's not allowed to sell it. Really? Aye, the Barista says that you are allowed to. Mokhr, mokhroi mokhr. The Gemara says, yeah, the Mazak's allowed to sell it, but the Nizak's allowed to go and collect it from the buyer. Wait, so how, how is that a heter to sell it if the Nizak could just go take it from the buyer? Oh, the Gemara says, for one thing, Lirida, that the buyer is allowed to plow it in the meantime until the Nizak comes and collects what's rightfully his. The Gemara says, this sounds like a raya. That even if someone sells metaltalin, not kairka, that Bezin is allowed to collect it from him. Then is it can come and pull out metaltalin, an axe? I says no. But here, Davka, the axe is allowed to be taken out from its sold status from the buyer because it, it's as if it was an apatiki, something which I put it to Heikoi that when the, the loan was given, this is the item that it was going to be collected from. So there, yes, you can collect from a Tantalin, even after it's sold. Asks, I Rava said that if someone makes his Evid in Apotiki, and then he sells his Evid, the Baal of Choyv is allowed to collect the Evid. But if, he's, if he makes his Shor in Apotiki and sells it, the Baal Choyv is not allowed to. So how over here, the Nizuk, who has the Din of a Baal Choyv, how is he allowed to collect a Shor that was sold? So the Gemara answers that an Evid is allowed to be collected because everyone knows that he was sold. There's a call when an Evid is sold. But here also, when there was a whole goring scenario before he, the Mazak sold it, there's a call. Therefore, it isn't allowed to be sold. It's allowed to be bought. Uh, the Nizak's allowed to collect it from the buyer. Next, Rav Tachlifa Bar Ma'arova, learned by Rabbi Avo, and he said, But if this ox was sold, it's not a good sale. But if it was Hukdash, he made it Hagdish, it is a good Hagdish. The Gemara's just... Takes this apart for a second. Hold on. Who sold the ox? If the Mazak sold it, that's not a good Mechira. That would be Rabbi Akiva. But Rabbi Akiva says it's not good because it's already property of the Nizak. But when you say that the Hektish is a good Hektish, that's Rabbi Yishmael, who says that it is property of the Mazak. The Mazak just owes him money to go to Bezdin. So which is it? What, are you going to tell me that the Nizak sold it? So that wouldn't be a sale according to Rabbi Shmuel. And the hektish being a good hektish, that would only work according to Rabbi Akiva. So who's saying this? According to who? So the more answers, the Mazak was the one that sold it. But everyone's going to agree, even Rabbi Shmuel, that it's not a good mechira because this ox is meshubed to the nizak. Hektish is going to work, even according to Rabbi Akiva, who says that it's ready set aside for the Nizak. Din Rabbi Avo. Rabbi Avo says, you can't take something from Hektish. Take something back from Hektish. Unless you give something. So yeah, it's true, the Hektish doesn't really work, but you have to give something. The Mazak was being Maktish, the Nizak's ox. But he still can't take it back unless he gives something. So in that regard, it's a good Hektish. Asks, it brings in a brysa. It's a two-part brysa. First part about Tom, second part about Muad. And it has three steps in each chilek. In Tom, 
Third time damages. So there are three stages. Number one, before this axe was went to Din, before it went to court. If the Mazak sells it, it's a good seal. If he's Makdash it, it's a good Hektish. If he shechts it and gives it to someone as a gift, what's done is done. After the Din, if he sells it, it's no good. If he's Makdash it, no good. Shechts and, and to give it, gives it to someone as a gift. He didn't give anything. It's already property of the Nizak because the, the Nizak already has a stronghold on this on the goof of this ox because the Mazak's going to be paying Migufoy. And the third step of the Brayasa in time is that if the Bale Choyvois come, people who the Mazak owes money to, and they collect this ox, it doesn't matter when this guy had borrowed money from them, before or after the ox damaged, they can't take this ox because he has to be paying Migufoy of this ox to the Nizak. The Nizak has dibs over the Bale Choyv. In the second step, when it comes to Muad, if a Muad ox damages, then both before and after it goes to court, if the Mazik wants to sell it, it's good. If he wants to be Makdash, it's good. If he wants to give it as a gift, it's good. If the Baalich doesn't want to collect it, they can collect it. Because the payment for a Muad has nothing to do with the go for the animal. He's paying Nezik Sholeh Min Animal is irrelevant, so it can be sold, it can be hectish, and it can be used as uh, paying back a loan. Now the Gemara says, Taking apart this Brysa step by step. If it's sold, it's a good sale, meaning that if the guy who buys it plows before, it's recollected, repossessed. He doesn't have to pay for that plowing. The seal was valid in that regard. If the Mazik is Makdish the Ox, with some form of a Hektish, he has to pay something to take it back so it doesn't look like he's just taking from Hektish. Jackson gives it as a gift. That works. It's a valid gift. It's property of the giftee. Now, giving it as a gift makes sense if you're going to say that I gift you this ox, you plow with it, and then the Nizak says, oh, by the way, that's my ox, and he takes it back. Fine. But if the guy shechts it, the Nizak should have to pay for it. It should come out of his pocket. Because the Bryce brings the puzzle of chai. That tells me that that's only when the animal's alive. If the animal was shechted, puzzle adds, um, es hashar. The Gemara says, or Shizbi explains, no, no. The Pazik is telling me that if the animal go da- goes down in value when it was shechted, that's what the Mazik doesn't have to pay for. That's where he's clear of the Matana. But otherwise, he has to pay the Nizuk full. It's still going to the Nizuk. Vunabar says, sounds like if someone damages property which is owed, which his friend has a lien on, He's Potter. And this opens up a Pandora's box. Uh, which sounds like it's Potter. And we're going to have to see why this isn't Poshut. Bezashem will pick it up from here next time. Thank you for learning with me. Have a wonderful day.